This week's episode is all about how, as a selling principal, you can build your personal sales business and your agency. If you're wondering how you can increase revenue, increase your profile, and put money in the bank, then today's episode will help both selling principals and agents level up and become the real estate strategists that our customers are calling out for. So today, I sit down with an expert in the matter, Craig Lee from McGraw-Wilston. And welcome to episode 10 of the Build Your Best Life podcast series. I'm your host, Sherry Storer. I'm a hardworking sales agent and sales coach. Now, it's my mantra to build your best life, and I have been doing exactly this. So throughout this podcast series, you'll learn how to grow and build your own GCI, revenue and profit by implementing proven sales systems and structures. You'll also learn how you can grow and build your own EBU, team and agencies, and how you can truly harness your real estate career to provide you with the wealth and the freedom that you've always dreamt of. So if this sounds like the life that you want to live, I suggest that you subscribe to the podcast series so you get notified every single Tuesday when the episodes go live. In addition to working exclusively with a number of agents and agencies, I also have my fundamental Build Your Best Life coaching program. Now, this runs on a quarterly basis and it's supported by a series of webinars and question forums, but it actually comes with this success manual. And in this success manual, there's a number of quarterly, monthly, weekly, and daily systems, templates, and structures. It also has a daily journal. But look, this program really will revolutionise your career and quarter three is out now. So head to my website, sherrystora.com forward slash BYBL to find out more. Now, if you love a freebie, and I know that we all do, as part of this podcast series, I'm actually giving away a template that's included in the Build Your Best Life coaching program. Now, this is essentially an Excel spreadsheet that is designed to help you set your goals and set your targets. Now, once you've set your GCI, this program will automatically calculate how many properties you need to list, how many properties you need to sell, and how many listing presentations that you need to do. And it will totally personalize all of these figures, especially just for you, and it does all the hard work for you, so it's simple, easy um, system to use. And let's face it, who doesn't love a freebie? So if you want this document, go to my website, sherrystora.com forward slash level up to download your free copy and you can start goal setting today. And of course, this podcast would simply not be possible without my sponsors, List Ready. So a massive shout out to them. They are, of course, the leading VPA solution here in Australia, and they cover the cost of advertising and styling for all of our sellers. But if you haven't heard of them, go and check out their website, list-ready.com.au. Now, let's get into today's episode, and today is a great episode about leveling up, whether you be an agent or whether you be a selling principal. And I'm talking today to Craig Lee. Now, Craig is the co-principal of McGraw-Wilston in Brisbane. He works alongside his partner, Scott Osborne, who heads up the property management division. Now, Craig is the number two agent that's been ranked amongst Queensland for all of McGraw, and he's the number one agent ranked nationally throughout the network. He's also a top 21 dealmaker throughout Australia with the REB Awards. And quite recently, he took out eight awards at the Rate My Agent Awards earlier this year, including the top five agents here in Brisbane. He lives in Newmarket, but he and Scott have a beautiful holiday home of around 40 acres east of Gympie, where he hangs out with his dogs, Cooper and Gracie, and his cat, Pepper. 
So I'd love to introduce our special guest today, who is, of course, Craig Lee. Now, Craig is the selling principal of McGraw-Wilston, which he has owned for the last four and a half years with his partner, Scott Osborne, who, of course, heads up the rent roll. And you guys have been, what, together and engaged for how long? Uh, <laughs> admittedly, together 13 years, engaged for 10. <laughs> but you guys have been in business for quite some time, and I know that um, that prior to owning the McGraw office, you were actually in business for, um, for another four with style, correct? That's it. Yeah, but... But yep. Craig, you are the dominant agent when it comes to Windsor, Wilston, uh, Grangeary. You live in Newmarket um, and you also have a, a special holiday farm, what, 40 acres out near Gympie? Yeah, it's a lot of mowing. <laughs> <laughs> and there, are, of course, is not just the two of you. You also live in Newmarket with your dogs, uh, Cooper and Gracie. That's it. And Cat Pepper. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. So welcome so much to today's podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Um, build your best life is what today is all about. And I'm so proud to see what you have built and what you've achieved. And you've certainly gone supersonic in the last couple of years. Well done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so look, Craig, you are um, one of my first and one of my original kind of uh, coaching clients when I actually quit my day job, which was pretty <laughs> massive now looking back in two years ago. Huge, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I've just loved watching this this growth because obviously you were already very successful before we started working together. But as I just mentioned before, it's now gone kind of almost like, you know, supersonic and, and taking on a life of its, of its own. But, you know, I've seen you grow from being an agent who, you know, last financial, well, the financial year before you wrote 950K, which was very impressive, to last year writing 1.72, which is just absolutely ginormous. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, I guess I wanted to delve in a little bit about this journey and how you really managed to to achieve this, um, because I know this year it's going to be even bigger. So, and you're hoping to sort of write. Well, you're on track to write over two mil, right? That's it. Mm. So, let's um let's sort of take a step back. Because for me, I think that there are a number of different ways that you can really build and grow your GCI. The first one is the number of transactions. So quite simply, you just sell a number of properties. Um, you increase your sales price. So, you know, where once upon a time you may have been selling properties in a, in a lower price range, we sort of increase that up. And then the third one is really boosting up your commission, commission rate, right? So essentially with you, we kind of tackled all three. So let's, let's sort of, you know, talk in detail of this. So how did you really grow your GCI quite astronomically? It's a number of factors and it's quite difficult to probably put your finger on exactly one, but um, I think definitely um, a change um, in my mindset around what I wanted to really focus on. There's a few changes in our business that were outside of our control really, but those things certainly, you know, made me reset around what's really important. Um, uh, working with my team and getting very clear around their roles, responsibilities was crucial. So just getting distinct clarity that feeds into a broader plan of attack, essentially, and committing to it. Mm. So I think, you know, a lot of agents really want to have these kind of this kind of astronomical growth, but it's actually really hard to put into place. And so you just think, okay, well, it's too hard. It's never going to kind of happen. You're actually a really great case study of how this is possible if you mm. tackle it and you actually do small sort of bite-sized pieces and sort of chunk Absolutely. it down and, and break it break it up. So, you know, before you know it, you sort of look back and say, okay, well, last month we actually put this into place. You know, three months ago we actually put this into place. And then 12 months, you know, fast forward, you've been able to put all of these activities and systems into place in order to make that happen. But it's interesting you talk about the mindset there because I do remember sitting in, in the McGraw-Wilston boardroom um, a couple of years ago and talking a lot around the mindset. And at this particular point in time, 
you know, there is another, well, there was a very, another very dominant agent at that particular point who has really had a pretty tough sort of stranglehold on the marketplace and had been dominant for a number of years. And I remember that you just didn't believe that you were on the same level of, of this particular agent, mm. right? Well, I was telling you that I'd, I was, and I was, <laughs> I was fine, but you were, had identified that, no, you probably don't believe it to be true. Mm. And then we discussed that a bit more and, yeah, we spoke about coming into a, a listing presentation or any form of engagement um, in business um, with um, a mindset that I'm there to win yeah. and I am the best. Yeah. And as, you know, as you know, cavalier as that sounds, um, you do have to have some confidence when it comes to that type of stuff. Well, I think it's really important. If you don't believe it, how is your sellers going to believe that you are generally the best person for the job? And I think at that particular time, you know, when there were any prestige sort of properties that were coming up, you know, you weren't always winning because you you didn't generally in your heart of hearts kind of believe that. And it yeah. was when that mindset sort of changed and you started to kind of, you know, really believe it in your, in yourself, I think that's when everything came, seemed to kick into place. But, you know, I remember kind of um, joking with you and calling you the real estate king and, <laughs> and I drove you totally crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, stop it, Sherry. It's a bit cringy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was kind of like we needed to, to take it to this kind of really crazy level for you to kind of seriously believe this. And I think we also needed to break down, okay, what's your experience in the industry and what are your results? And, you know, if you don't believe it, you shouldn't even be going in for the listing presentation because they shouldn't give it to you if you don't genuinely believe that you're the best. And I think, you know, um, seeing the listing presentation as an opportunity um, to see it as a championship and to win it, I think is also another element that we don't often see. What do you, how do you feel about that? I totally agree with you. I think you've got to have, I mean, people are really buying your energy mm. in this business. People want to like you and they, yeah. they really want to. Um, and I think, you know, I can personally connect with people, but what probably was getting in my way was this uh, you know, you used to say you're a bit icy in this situation. And I think what I really needed to do was break that down and go in with this um, positive energy that is um, geared toward winning and taking the business out. And when I when I went in with that approach and just felt really positive, like I'd already won it, yeah. um, things definitely changed for me. And all you actually really need is a couple of wins to actually know that it is true. To believe it, yeah. And then you're like, right, I got this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? I think it's interesting what you sort of say there because a lot of people are pretending to be the perfect notion of the real estate agent. And yeah. I get this question all the time, actually. I was at a keynote just a couple of weeks ago and I was asked, you know, Sherry, what does the perfect real estate agent's hair look like? I'm like, your hair, you know? Yeah. Like, and I think we're trying so hard to be this, this perfect polished notion of what a real estate agent is. But the reality is people don't like real estate agents, right? No, that's honestly like <laughs> it's stinking hot lately. Yeah. So like getting around on a Saturday in a jacket and a tie really is not a representation of a human being. Nobody else is wearing that. No. <laughs> so which is why I have absolutely no problems with, you know, wearing polo shirts and being a little more comfortable because it just, you are, when you're more comfortable, you're easier to get along with and people really like that. And they look at you and go, oh, I'm... It's normal. It's nice to see that, you know. <laughs> why are they all wearing polo yeah. shirts on Saturday? It's stinking hot. Exactly. We're, mm. of course, talking about the marketplace in, in Brisbane yeah, Place. Of course, which, yeah, You know, it, it does change from time to time. But I remember, you know, even 10 years ago, I used to make my, my team all wear, wear suits because it was go-to day. But mm. how things are, you know, 
how society views um, the marketplace and real estate agents has moved on and we need to move on with it. And I think it's this authenticity and, you know, kind of relaxing that perfect notion. And we are talking about this, this kind of before that, you know, um, showcasing who you actually are, which is very difficult to let down that facade of pretending to be this perfect real estate agent and actually letting, letting them see the real you. Mm, because, I mean, it's not that you've got a problem with the real you. It's just more um, that if people don't like that, that's that's the issue, I think. The rejection, that, that, the potential of rejection. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes that. <laughs> but I remember, I mean, because, Craig, you are probably one of the funniest people that I know. Like, you crack me up. And some of the sayings that you come up with, honestly, they're, they're hilarious. And I, I just know that you're an extremely likable person. But that's why people want to do business with you. Someone who's like them that they can relate to, that they trust. And that really comes out, right? That's it, yeah. <laughs> so I think um, when we break that down about you know, your business really kind of changing. I mean, at that time, two years ago or two and a half years ago, you were really selling more more or less a lot more properties under a million dollars, correct? Definitely. Okay. Mm. So what's happened so that you've gone up to now? What's your average sale price now? Average sale price is around a million fifty. Yeah. So it's 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 whereas before I think it was around that seven fifty eight, wasn't it? Seven fifty eight, which was driven a lot by doing you know, more, more units and townhouses and, and more entry-level properties, which mm. don't get me wrong, I'll I'll take them. I, yeah. I'll sell anything <laughs> like most agents and I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, but definitely the, your business organically shifts when you start doing a lot more higher-end listings mm. um, relevant to your market. Yeah. And your homes, they always look so beautiful and they're always so perfectly styled and they look amazing on, on social, social media. And I think that's really a testament to you because really, you know, you make sure that when something's going to launch, it really does look a-class. A Absolutely. I think you've got to have standards when it comes to how the homes are presented and there has to be a level of consistency with what you deliver um, in everything that you do. Mm. It's it's interesting. I think just going back to this, you know, um, this notion of increasing the, the average sale price because that's $200,000. That's, that's a, a fair whack, right, in, yeah. in two years. So, you know, was there something that for you that happened? Was there like a career-changing sale that kind of, you know, changed your mindset and changed really the notion or was it a series of sales? I think it's a, it's a, a series of sales, mm. um, really. I mean, there's always standouts that, you know, in your mind were re- really memorable. And Tell us about one of those. I think I think at the standout, it's probably not so much like the house as such. It's probably more that moment when you've delivered something really fantastic yeah. for the client um, like a great, we've put an incentive commission structure in place and you really smash it out of the park. And those me- those moments are memorable because, of course, if somebody's paying you an incentive um, commission, you know, performance-based commission, obviously you've got something fantastic. So, <laughs> so that really motivates you. Absolutely. Yeah, I really love that, I think. You know, when you can sit down with a client afterwards and they've moved into another property in the area and um, you know, they're, they're almost like friends. I think that's that to me is um, a, the reward for what we do is um, building genuinely um, great relationships with people or sellers and buyers. And, you know, you can see them at the supermarket and that will happen every week. <laughs> um, and, you know, they remember your name, you remember theirs and you can say hi and you're all good. But you've touched on something there and I think, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're living in uh, a precinct of a, of a capital city or whether you're in a rural, more sort of regional area, you know, we are going to be seeing these people in our neighbourhood. So, yeah. you know, we want to make sure that we do a great job for them, but also too, we want them championing us out, out in the marketplace. So, Absolutely. I mean, a lot of us work in areas that are well, with families and school catchment based 
suburbs and I mean, you don't want to be discussed at school drop-off. I don't think that's, that's the way I think about it. I'm like, I never want to be the topic of conversation in a bad way. In a negative way. In a negative way. So I really, I, I do try and keep my nose clean because um, I think it's really short-sighted um, if you don't. Yeah. So I think, you know, just going back to this notion of, of you and having this mindset sort of shift, which was really instrumental in terms of this change. And I sort of see that... Um, I personally saw two things. I think I saw that, yes, you were saying all the things that need to be said, but it was that actual belief. And I think that came from a number of sales kind of occurring and you actually getting some wins over the other agent. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yep. So it was kind of like, you know, it was almost like um, some ticks of, a, of approval. It was like, yeah, I can do this. And then mm. it was kind of became on a, on a bit of a, a roll. Would you agree? I agree. And then, I mean, now, Sherry, if I don't win the business I want to, I really want to know why yeah well it's funny because you've gone from basically being at the back end of the lineup to really being in pole position so it's really your business to to lose now not to not to win so to speak absolutely so, yeah. and I think this is this is the part that's been transformational whereas at the at, at the beginning it was kind of like you're almost like the underdog and it was like you needed to have that kind of fighting spirit to go in and get get it and I think working on the listing presentation was a big element of that and no one likes practicing the listing presentation or your elevator pitch. Um, in fact, we all hate role play. And you know, but mm. but do you think that this actually was an element that helped you in your listing presentation? Well, definitely. When you had said to me, "What is your elevator pitch?" Mm. Um, and I'd like don't want to give it to you right now. <laughs> I'm working on that. Um, but look, I think when you had said to me, "What is your elevator pitch?" and mm. I, I fumbled around and gave you what I thought was what you wanted to hear. Um, you sort of said, well, that doesn't sound very genuine. It doesn't really sound like it's you. It's not the you that you know I'm seeing right now. I think it probably made me think about it a lot more. And then we got to the bottom of, well, what is really my point of difference? Mm. And then I actually thought, well, hang, hang on. I do have a unique situation and I can actually bring that to the table. Mm. So why aren't I telling people about it? Yeah. And I think it's it's pretty common actually for agents to feel exactly like that and we don't mm. really think about how we're different to everyone else. We know that we're different but if we try and actually put it into words, it's actually really hard to do so yeah. um, because we all think that we work harder than everyone else and we do more hours and we get better results and we call people back. But in a lot of cases, that's our job. So it's about putting the personality back into it. Yeah, of course. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're right. So I think, you know, um, looking at your social media, I love seeing the real you because we see your doggies on there because you're a real doggy person. Absolutely. <laughs> but what else do you try and put onto your social media? I mean, I try and obviously put on what people would expect and that is good quality property and updates in that regard, you know, like what you need to do to get your house ready, those sorts of things which probably every agent is putting out there to an extent. But with that stuff, we do try and get the look and feel of it really consistent and lovely and engaging. And the messaging has to be correct and on point. How would I actually explain something to somebody in person? We try and actually bring that to to what is in written form, essentially. Yeah. Well, I honestly think you're probably one of the better real estate agents that I see on uh, on social media right now. And, you know, it's not all about the numbers. It's actually about having an engaged audience. And the quality and the, of the content that you're actually putting out there is really engaging to your marketplace and to your audience. You should be congratulated on that. Well, thank you. That's um, It's good to hear. I mean, I think I look at my social media and think it's good, but I'm always thinking, well, what could we possibly be doing to try and 
enhance a certain aspect or the engagement or the how can we be more creative? Mm. I think because that's what people really want. Yeah. They don't, they don't, they don't just want the pedestrian. Correct. They want to see your personality. Yeah, of yeah. course. And I think that's what you do showcase quite, quite nicely. And I think even your stories do that actually, particularly on, on Instagram. So, you know, I really give you credit for that. But you work really hard at this. You put together a content bank and you go and do photo shoots and, and you actually have, you know, time that you dedicate to really work on this, correct? Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, look, I've got, I've got, a great administrator that is all over this. I mean, I'd love to take credit for it all, but when it comes to the organisational base of what we're doing, mm. it is absolutely planned and executed with, you know, precision because mm. it needs to be. Otherwise, you know, I will get too busy and I'll get off track and I'll not want to do it because mm. it's the thing I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we can push that off to next week. Yeah. It's all good. But you absolutely have to plan it and execute your plan. And you're not the person who necessarily, you know, is the first one to say, okay, I want to go and speak at this or I want to go and do that. You're quite happy to just basically get in and do the work. So it's not something that comes naturally to you, right? No, de definitely <laughs> not. But then in saying that when it comes to the content that we're delivering, if it is something that is organically you, then it will be easy to actually, yeah. you know, get on camera and, and, you know, say a piece or take some photos. Um I think if it's actually you and how you are really as a person. Yeah. Well, your photos, I think, are, are quite good because they're shooting, you know, you in a house, basically preparing it for opening and so forth. They actually show you in the marketplace. I think that was a great one of you walking down, you know, your uh, street where the office is the other day. So, you know, it's all about just showcasing you in real life and what you actually do, but you're just actually capturing those images. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, we'll, we'll set the time aside. We'll take some wardrobe changes and all of these things to make sure that we can actually get enough content um, so that it's not something we have to be doing on a weekly basis. Yeah. And video is really scary. I think most agents feel really uncomfortable around video because they feel like they almost have to put on a, a facade and, and so forth. And I think, you know, it comes as you talk about when you're um, speaking about something that you know that you're passionate about. And really, if you don't get in and start doing it now, you're just going to be left behind, right? Well, exactly. I mean, if they don't want more business, then don't do it. But yeah. <laughs> if you do, then, you know, get on board. Yeah, it's, and I think that's interesting that you say that. This is actually part of your job now. It is. It is, it is part of the job. Mm. There is, it is one piece of that marketing puzzle that needs to happen. Yeah. So do you actually see social media as a form of prospecting? Uh, yes, I do. I can definitely see it being enhanced and becoming a lot more um, of a useful prospecting tool. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think... I've still got to get over a few of my own barriers and limitations with it. Think like Which more, we all do. More live stuff I think would be a lot more beneficial to mm. my market because I get a lot of off-market sales away. So these that's the opportunity I think. But I'm just trying to embrace that a bit more, mm. um, working on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always love a work in progress. But obviously what you're doing is working really well. So, And I love the fact that you're still thinking about what you can do better. Let's talk about those off-market sales that you just bring up. I mean, it's interesting because it's quite controversial off-market for a number of different reasons and a, and a number of different marketplaces. Mm. But, I mean, what benefits do you see in terms of selling off-market? Do you mm. still believe you can achieve a premium price for owners? Well, I think firstly the word off-market is used very loosely. Yeah. I actually like to think of it a, uh, our off-market sales as more of a, a pre-market soft launch of a property. Mm. It's actually... Um, uh, the first tranche of an on-market strategy. Um, if we get the deal done at a really great price and the vendor is thrilled with it, as long as they're happy, I'm happy. Mm. I don't ultimately really care so much about, you know, all the 
um, the commentary and verbiage in the market from agents saying, did he get the best price or not? I mean, they're not doing the deals. So I guess that's an easy thing for them to say. But I like to think of it as more of that first stage of an on-market strategy. Um, as opposed to like just off market. Exactly. And I think, you know, um, a lot of agents do get caught up in the fact of, okay, well, we'll talk about this off market, but really what's the motivation behind that? If the seller doesn't really want to sell their property, but are testing the marketplace, well, really, it's probably a waste of your time. It's also a waste of, of the buyers because, you know, they might be coming through the property and thinking, this is spectacular, I want to buy it. Mm. But where they see that there's, you know, value at this property and where the seller's at might be completely two mm. different things, correct? You bet. I mean, sometimes this is a really great opportunity opportunity to provide that seller with some real-time market intelligence around exactly what a sample of the market thinks their property is worth. If they get a deal away, great. But if not, they've got some really valuable information that they can take into an on-market process. Yeah. And I think also too, sometimes, you know, working with people such as buyers agents, which you obviously have always worked very heavily with um, in the marketplace can also assist because these are people that understand the marketplace. They know how to do business with you and it's, it's, Quite an easy sort of trans- transaction, correct? Exactly. I mean, like every industry, I mean, there's there's the good and the bad. And, you know, <laughs> you go straight for the good agent, the buyer's agents that you've got great relationships with and, you know, you value their opinion on things. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think um, it's becoming a growing piece of the real estate landscape in our country. So, I mean, you need to embrace that mm. and develop really good rapport with local and interstate buyer's agents. It's, yeah. it's pretty basic. Hi there, it's me, it's Sherry Stora, and I'm interrupting this interview with a special shout out to my sponsor, ListReady. Now, if you haven't heard of these guys, you need to go and check them out. Head to their website, list-ready.com.au because they are going to change how you look at VPA in this marketplace. And in fact, these guys really are the leading VPA finance solution in Australia. Now, there are a number of common themes that are running right throughout this podcast series, and vendor-paid advertising is most certainly one of them. Now, this is not just because it helps grow an agent's business, but it's really about delivering those exceptional outcomes to our sellers in terms of price and also in terms of timelines. I must admit, I do understand that as an agent, it can often be challenging for an owner to actually find those additional funds to prepare and market their home correctly. And by default, this kind of becomes the agent's issue. So I've always used, you know, VPA finance solutions, but I never really found that overall encompassing kind of right option. That is until I heard about ListReady. And now you know why I'm so excited about them. I guess essentially what they do is they they look at all costs, whether it be renovating, landscaping, marketing, or staging a home right up to $25,000. It's really simple to use. And in fact, at the listing presentation, you grab your phone and you complete an online application form, which literally takes a minute to complete. And within a couple of minutes, once there's approval, the funds will go directly into your trust account. So this is extremely powerful and important because there's no hidden costs, there's no hidden fees for real estate agents. It's really a service that's been bought out of necessity for agents to help their sellers achieve the best possible prices. And in fact, it is actually ListReady's mission statement to actually provide and be the best value for vendors. So look, if you haven't already, go and check out their website, list-ready.com.au, or alternatively, give them a call on 1300 18. So it's interesting because we talked about, you know, the number of ways in which you can really increase your GCI. And we've talked about, 
you know, um, really increasing your sales price. And we've talked a little bit about um, increasing commission rate and and love the fact that you love an incentive. So Mm -hmm. it kind of keeps your competitive juices flowing. But I guess the other way is really doing more transactions. So, you know, what's really happened so that more people are kind of calling you? Have you leveraged your your sales and your results or is it a number of things? What do you think are the the special sort of source to this? Well, I definitely think you, you can't underestimate the power of growing market share in a particular suburb. And so new agents should, I believe, should um, focus on trying to establish themselves as the go-to person for a particular suburb. So I really uh, started that in Windsor and, um, you know, I'm close to 35% market share in that suburb and that's growing quite exponentially. So um, I think the best thing that you could possibly do to get more sales under your belt is really get hyper-focused, know know every sale, every house, and um, be the person for that suburb. Mm. Um, And then naturally you will start to um, um, move into adjoining markets. Yeah, well, people will just call you because it's not like, okay, well, here's, here's fence lines here. There's no walls or borders up. Yeah. It's, it's literally just going to flow across. And, you know, if you've done a great job with somebody, let's say, at the school, as you talked about, those mums are going to go and talk to other mums who might be a couple of streets away in a, in a different suburb and it will just kind of bleed across. That's right. I like the way that you talk about that. But, you know, where I where – I, and I'm still sort of dumbfounded as to how this happened, but, you know, the last quarter – well, actually, quarter three in 2019 was a huge quarter for you and you wrote over 800K in GCI, like, which is mm. just monstrous. When we're talking about an average sale price of a million and fifty, like, what happened in that quarter? You're going to make me do the maths. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my strong point. Um, I think – uh, you've really well. It's the segue. It's the lead into spring and you know and, and that Christmas time selling period. So I don't know. We just got down to down to business and just while everybody else is probably holidaying, we got to work, um, make more calls than anybody else. I think that's really important. Have clarity around who's doing what in the team. Um, you know, um, have uh, provide your co agent with a bit of flexibility, a bit of ownership when it comes to you know, bringing on board business. And mm. I don't know, it was just a very, it was a good time. Um, <laughs> I bet it was. Well, I mean, it was post-election as mm. well. I mean, that was a tough time um, last year. But then the pennies started to drop and people were making offers and there was all this um, uh, positive sentiment in the market. So we just rode the wave. Mm. Well, really what I've heard, heard here is that you've done the work and you've positioned everybody really well. That when a lot of agents went away in winter, you actually stayed and you actually better down and you actually got to work. So basically you prepared everybody for coming to Marketplace. You also delegated some of those responsibilities and we're going to talk a little bit into your EBU actually shortly. But, you know, essentially you weren't able to do everything because a lot of people who might be listening thinking, how on earth did he actually survive that period, you know? I think sometimes to know you need to go through growing pains. Mm. You need to actually get to critical mass and be like, okay, we can't actually do any more mm. to know what that feels like. <laughs> I think a lot of agents don't really, have never really got, got to that point or know what it truly feels like to be under immense pressure and have all of these conversations flying around in your head. Mm. I think you need to get to that point, that almost like breaking point to be like, yeah. right, now we know how to manage that. And we did it. We got there. And now we can do it again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it is hard because, you know, when you are selling a lot of properties, you actually have 
you know, all of these sellers and their expectations, you know, in addition to that, then you've got your team's expectations, you know, you're really, you're really tired as well, you've got a partner, then also you've got the sales business, and you've also, you know, got the rentals and so forth too, it can be really, really hard to, to kind of manage and to pull all that together. And I think this is a challenge that we see in our industry, not often talked about, you know, the difficulties of being a selling principal. Mm. I mean, how, how have you gone in terms of your personal growth as a business leader, and also a, a selling principal? How, how did you battle through at that time? I think that um, it's just not humanly possible for me to do the number of sales that I'm doing and manage my team and also uh, actually manage certain aspects of the business. It's just not possible. And there are, there are principles that do it and, like, hats off to them. I think that's an amazing thing and they're, you know, better, better managers than I am. But I think... Um, it's knowing that you've got tr- or trusting particular people or resources to manage particular things and give those people freedom to, and ownership over their jobs. And the responsibility. And, yeah. you know, I think that's really hard for a lot of um, principals and selling agents because, let's face it, we're all control freaks, right? Mm. So we all we want, all want the control. And there are going to be times where if we do relinquish that, not everything's going to be quite the way that we would have liked. Mistakes may happen. But it's the only way to really give the growth so that your business can grow and you can also have the, have the freedom. Was that a hard kind of thing for you to do to let go of some of those reins? Uh, yes and no. I mean, yes, because it is such an, they're important pieces of the business and fundamentally, like, I need to know about what's going on. Yeah. But, I mean, again, trusting people to be making good decisions mm. I think is really, really crucial. Um, I'll give you an example. would be just the everyday um, management of money in, money out. When I decided to not actually get involved in that, I think that was really, really important because... That can be a crushing thing yeah. <laughs> sometimes. I mean, you know, you, yeah. you run a business, you run yeah. businesses for many, many years, Sherry. So you know that can actually, wait when you, you think where you're at versus where you are actually at, that can kill your vibe yeah. really, really quickly. So <laughs> I thought, mm, all right, I'm not going to actually get involved in that as such as in the operational mm-hmm. side of it. And I'm just going to really focus on what I need to do and that is keep the, keep the money coming in. Yeah. Um, and I just focus on that and I've got trust that the people that are, in my business looking after that other aspect have, have, have got me covered. Yeah, I'm going to do the right things. And I yeah. think a key component to that is the letting go, knowing that you've actually put the right person into place, but also to having the regular kind of catch-up so that you're still yes. overseeing the whole thing, you're just not in the day-to-day operations of it. So yes. yeah. very powerful. But I think too, you know, one of the unique factors that I see of you is the fact that you're able to keep, you know, um, teams long term, Mm. um, which let's face it, in Brisbane is actually quite a difficult thing. Um, We see quite often, you know, agents sort of, or or co-agents even move on after six months, 12 months. But, you know, even if we look at your individual EBU, um, which actually, before we get into that, why don't you tell us about your EBU? So how many in your team? Uh, At the moment, there are three of us in my team. And then we do have additional um, administration support um, and we do have a virtual an offshore assistant as well. So, I mean, they're, they're important too. Um, but we have those additional administrators that help to provide yeah. support when we get to that you know, critical mass stage where we just need some more support. But three core um, team members, including myself, yeah. myself, co-agent and PA. So essentially we've got you who's the lead agent and then we've got your, um, your PA and then we've got a co-agent yeah. and then we've got... PA for the PA in terms of the VA, yes. correct? Yep. Does that make sense? VA, yeah. PA. <laughs> yeah, well, it was actually, Sherry, that you gave us that idea 
couple of years back when we first started working together, you said, why don't you get your PA, PA? Mm. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> she's super organised. Yeah. I mean, she's really quite remarkable. She's been with you for four years now yeah. and she's kind of your go-to person. But at the end of the day, when you're doing this kind of number of transactions, there's only so much that she can do when you're passing down the line all of these non-dollar productive kind of activities, right? Yes, absolutely. Like that, I you can't underestimate, doesn't matter whether you're doing 20 or 30 transactions or whether you're doing 100, how how much that that person um, is under pressure Mm. to be managing all of these various tasks and responsibilities and so many balls up in the air. And I think, um, again, probably to my earlier point in a different conversation is you've got to give them a bit of ownership over their job to actually say to you, not right now, or this is, you know, you're not going to get the best from me, you know, managing the situation like that. They need to be able to pull you up on your behaviors (laughs) behaviors <laughs> yeah and, and bring you back to the, mm. the the most important task at hand which is actually really hard because i think a lot of agents they want to be approachable and think that they're approachable but actually mm. having somebody who's strong enough to actually come and say you know I'm, I'm drowning at the moment or you know hey this is what's going on and we need to make x amount more sales you haven't been making the phone calls or what have you it's kind of hard to find that person you know um it, has that been a journey for for you with your team definitely i mean one thing that i um, my entire my team knows is look just because we do something this way today doesn't mean we should be doing it that way tomorrow. Mm. Um, always being aware of how could we possibly change and improve what we're doing, because that's the only, that's how we've managed to scale the business up to this yeah. extent is doing things differently, more efficiently, doing away with legacy tasks, things that you know last year we thought were a great way of you know um, enhancing the business. We realised. Hmm, they're actually not. It's a waste of a resource and it's So what's the legacy task? I call them legacy items. They're things that um, I might have learned from another agent along the way, you know, when I thought that they knew better. Yeah. Um, you know, doing some particular tasks that you thought was, was adding value to your business mm. when really it's just a drainer on your resources. And I so love, you do I away with that. it. I love that because I see this quite regularly actually. I'm going to... This, that's the second thing that you've given me. The first one was the Popo Pack. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so what I'm talking about with the Popo Pack was when we did the listing presentation, we talked about taking in a number of different um, marketing schedules and Craig actually called one of them the Popo Pack. I still use that today. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, that legacy item, I quite often see this with agents who are wanting to level up. And what they've done is they've learned the core skills that they needed to do to go from a rookie to being a career agent. But then they really struggle from going from a career agent to a high-performing agent because they're still holding on to those activities that got them to where they are now. And it's a matter of dropping that and actually embracing a new level of what needs to happen in the future. I love that, Craig, legacy items. Get rid of them. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's, that's quite unique. But Coming back to your to your team, I mean, you've now got um, you, you've got Kyle um, Blacksland who has been with you for what three and a half four years. Three and a half years, yeah. And you know, he also has had quite a remarkable journey, and I, I love sort of seeing his his successes. But you know, you really gave him an opportunity and a chance, and you um, invested in in him in terms of how how to do the activities. And he's getting ready to go out and be his own agent right now, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to happen at some point in the future, next six to 12 months. Yeah. yeah. So talk us through that that journey of how this has kind of come to be and you working with him and him and how also he benefited to your business. So how it worked in a symbiotic relationship for you both to kind of get benefit from working with each other. Well, I think the first thing that I identified when we, I first met with him in the interview was I kind of really liked I like his initiative, firstly, like approaching me and saying, hey, 
I, I want a job, mm. basically. Um, and I thought, well, that's, you know, that somebody that didn't have fear of that. I think that was really, really important. And then we just got along really, really well. Yeah. Like we've gone through that forming stage over the years and then a bit of storming, you know, you're like, do we really like each other? And, <laughs> you know, like you're around each other all the time. And so you're like, and then fundamentally we know we actually really get along well. We're mates. And I think that's really, really important because you should be able to, you know, pull somebody up who you get along with really well and say, hey, I don't like what you did here or there and I really need you to do a bit more of this. And it work, cuts both ways. Like yeah. he'll call me out and say, hey, you, you need to call this person and get this done or, you know, we're not going to get a deal together if you don't do your part. So we actually... <laughs> How do you feel when he says that too? Fine. Yeah. yeah, the first time I was like, excuse me. <laughs> no, but um, we, it's the same, same with, with, with our PA Maddie. Mm. Um, we get along really, really well, and I think fundamentally we actually just get along. Mm. We're we're friends, and I think you can't have a long-term working relationship unless there's something in it that you actually like that person at yeah. at your core. You in your heart, you really feel like I really like this person. Mm. I'll do anything for them. I think that's really mm. important because we do spend so much time at work, yeah. and you know we do expect a lot from our team, and it's it is really important that we have that foundation sort of there because. Realistically, we ask them to work big hours. We ask them to do things that are sometimes outside of hours. There needs to be, you know, a level of, of understanding and, and thanks and appreciation for that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've been talking about a lot with my team recently, and I've been seeing this a lot more, is that the support person in the EBU, whether it be a co-agent or a PA, typically the, the PA is actually just burnt out because mm. they have just been overworked with so much that the lead agent actually needs that they can only hold it for so long. So I'm talking about these people who are super amazing at their jobs who may have been doing it for two, three, four, five plus years until they're absolutely broken. Um, and I think, you know, what's interesting about how you've really um, sustained the growth is that you've seen the value in your team. You've believed in them, you like them, but also to, you know, in order to have growth, you've said, okay, well, rather than keeping my costs low, I'm actually going to put in other resources to mm -hmm. support them, to actually help them grow. Yep. And, but also I think you've just, it's pretty simple. Like you've got to reward them for what they're doing as well, like mm. properly. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I, I hear a lot of um, people lose their staff and then I, you have the conversation around, you know, what they're being paid. And I think, well, of course you're not going to keep somebody. <laughs> if someone's a gun and somebody's, you know, got aspirations to be more than what they're doing at that moment, they're not going to stick around for peanuts you know no. you've got to pay them well you've got to really reward people that are looking after you and representing your business in the right way but also investing in their journey too which yep. is what what you essentially are doing because you want to know okay well what is it that you want to achieve outside of life and I'm going to help you kind of get there so let's let's work on it together and I think that's one of the things that makes you so special that I see as as a leader so I think you know um there's a lot of this conversation around GCI, which of course we've been talking about today mm. too. But you know, there is so much more to this conversation, and, and a lot of that's about being profitable. So, you know, um, GCI, it's wonderful. You obviously get the the reward and the recognition as as the lead agent, but it's also about being profitable too. I mean, do you break this down? You know all of your costs in your personal EBU in addition to the business. Do you really watch those things? I I do. I def I, I I'm not um, like micromanaging that the PL in that respect but I know when I've been through a, a time and you've kind of been a little heavy on incentives and and or you know you've comped something for a client instead of you know pushing harder for VPA like you've not you've not you've not really done your best mm. to get the best outcome. It was just easy so you do it. It was just easy so you do it and you know you reflect on that and think 
you know, if you start having that kind of behaviour all the time, you will not be profitable. Mm. So I'm, I am focused on it, but I'm not, I'm not obsessive about it yeah. at all. I mean, I'm, I'm more obsessive about the smaller numbers, like how many listings we have, how many sales we have, you know, clearance. We talk clearance all day. We sit like this distance from each other and all we do all day is talk clearance and the conversations are flowing. Scott's always telling us to shut up, you know, from the other side of the office. But, um, yeah, we, we kind of focus on different things. Um, and that's not because that's not important. It's just for me personally, I don't. I, I can get obsessive about things. So if I don't want to get obsessive about that. <laughs> but I think, you know, you're obviously aware of it or else you wouldn't be taking yeah. control of it. But I, I love this concept, taking taking um, look at the smaller numbers. And a lot of agents that I know don't even really have a stock list, number one, mm. and don't constantly, you know, look at their stock list, which, you know, you need to do weekly or daily, mm. um, at least at minimum of weekly, but you need to be having a look, okay, you know, do, do we need to change the marketing? What what other things do you suggest that people do when they're looking at their stock list to get the clearance? You really, you need to be looking at it on a daily basis. You need to know, well, when was the last time I spoke with the seller? Mm-hmm. What do they think I'm doing? And um, have you actually identified when you'll be talking to them next about a potential price change or, you know, looking at some additional marketing options? And Because there's only so many things that you can really be doing, so many levers you can pull to get a different outcome. So um, I, I, we, we look at it on a daily basis. It's, it's an agenda item in our, in our morning whip meeting is clearance. Mm. And only Kale and I didn't really need to talk about that. But. That's right. Well, he's the one who's actually working. So you can mm. identify, okay, well, which pipeline sellers are coming through this property or have resulted or live in the street or who are my hottest buyers that are working on this? You know, do we need to change around the photographs? Do we need to change around the copy? What do we need to do? And it's kind of like a lost art form, but this is the art of selling. Like it is the practicality of it. Yeah. And this is what our job is. Um, so I love that you you talk about that. So I think another strategy that we saw in terms of growing your business was, and when we talk about the business here, I'm talking about the agency, Mm -hmm. was to really use you as a linchpin in the business because, number one, that was also going to bankroll the business, Mm -hmm. (laughs) first and foremost, in addition to the rent roll, but that was was going to bankroll the business. But also, too, we were going to then, you know, see it as an opportunity to build your profile in the marketplace, but also then to be able to recruit other agents into your business because they would then see, okay, well, look, you actually know what you're doing. You're an amazing real estate strategist. You've been able to go from X amount of GCI to to X amount of GCI, which in this case has been 950 to 1.2 within the space of 12 months. It's nothing short of remarkable. Now, how has this strategy paid off? It's immensely because I think it's, um, as other other business owners out there would appreciate that, um, you know, you need to to make business decisions for where you're at at that moment in time, what's going to help you survive. And, um, yeah, we changed it. Immensely, you know, we had the the office full of agents, and they probably weren't the right agents. Mm. Um, we didn't really have a great synergy, and you know that really um, we had like this this changing of the guard in our office, and I was pretty much left with myself and a few other um, loyal people in our office. Um, and then I really just focused on okay, I'm going to be the best selling principal I can possibly be, and that transformed our bottom line immensely. Mm. I mean, you're not taking a small percentage of the sales agent's commissions, you're taking 90 92% of that into the bottom line. So, of course, things changed. Mm. And that then enabled me to determine, well, what can I actually offer 
my sales agents as far as, you know, my energy, my time, my experiences, um, our resources, so that they know what they're getting when they come into our office now. Mm. And they're either happy with that or they're not. And if they're not, they're probably not going to join us. But if they are, they join us and they're happy. And it's a match. And it's a match. <laughs> and so we've, we've got some really, really great agents in our office. Mm. They're all experienced and they're wonderful in their own right. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a really good time in our business I think because we've never had a better culture. Yeah, well, I know I'm, I'm so incredibly proud. I love mm. sort of watching all of that, and I, I know this year you just recruited two really big heavy hitters and very well known in the, in the industry. Yeah. So we love them. Yeah. Mm. So um, so and of course you know who we're we talking about here. Who? <laughs> no, we have. We've actually just had Anne Fiddler and Julie Ford join us, um, and we're really pumped because they're both just you know amazing human beings, and um, yeah, they've they've. Um, they fit in perfectly already. Yeah, good people. And I think that's mm. really the essence of what we're hearing here is that, you know, if they if you want to work with them in the office, there needs to be a match in terms of personality and they need to know that you're a good person and, and vice versa. Yep. And, you know, the right the wrong people who weren't necessarily there, maybe they just weren't a match at that particular point in, t- in yeah, time. Yeah, that's probably So I think that that's really, that's really powerful. But also, too, by you investing in your, um, in your own EBU, that also changed your personal income rather dramatically too, didn't it? I mean, writing 800K in one quarter, I mean, that is literally life-changing. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, it's funny, Sherry, because I don't, um, I don't feel like I see the the benefits like as a, from a dollars and cents point of view in my bank account. Um, I definitely sense a change just in the way we are as people in our life. Um, you know, it's enabled us to um, chip away at our mortgage and you know buy the farm and things that are important to us that are tangible. But I don't sort of see dollars in my account. Um, at all, if that makes sense. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's quite interesting because you are a big investor, like you love property. I love it, so, yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't just necessarily buy in, in Queensland, like you, um, sorry, in Brisbane, but you actually do buy in various different areas. So Yeah, places that we're passionate about, um, that towns that we've, like rural Queensland and rural New South Wales, places that we've visited and thought, this is a beautiful town, like Tenerfield, I'm obsessed with. <laughs> um, and so we've bought a couple of properties there and they're just I mean, look, there's a lot of maintenance with these types of properties, <laughs> but um, they're properties that we are passionate about. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, that's where we're at. Is it the right decision? I don't know. But I guess we'll see. That makes you happy. It makes us happy and that's yeah. all that matters. And, uh, you know, I love seeing these these photos on and, and the little movies and so forth <laughs> on the farm because you've got 40 acres just outside of, of Gympie. And yep. what's it called? Um, Greens Creek. Greens Creek, right. Um, and you've got a four-wheeler and you've just <laughs> renovated it and you yeah. have it in time for Christmas, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> 10 people in a three-bed, one-bath is quite resource-intensive, <laughs> I will say, yeah. But, mm. you know, I think that this you are clearly – property people and it's not always just about being in the in the capital cities and sometimes just having that place that you can go and get away from so yes you may not have seen the the dollars and cents in the in the bank but it's given you this different lifestyle that you can escape to so you can have your city base yep. where it's all on and then you're all off and you're basically on your four-wheeler with the dogs and the cat <laughs> having, having, <laughs> having having a great time I mean what else do you see is is your best life moving moving forward what else are you sort of aiming to Towards. Well, I feel like having um, good quality agents in the office um, and having a, my team uh, geared up and experienced mm. will enable me to have more time away from the office. Mm. So whether it's, you know, on the farm or, you know, an overseas holiday, I'm really just looking forward to possibly, you know, 
still doing great numbers but not not working so much. Yeah. Um, that would be really nice. I actually feel like I don't work as much as I used to when I was doing 9.50 yeah. today when, you know, we're on track to doing north of two. Mm. So I think, you know, that's really quite Im- quite impressive um, to hear because a lot of people think, well, is this ever going to stop? Because mm. it's just in this industry we get so sucked into that vortex of just working hard all the time. But really when we break down your success, it has been – building your team and actually having some consistency with your team. They've been with you for three and a half, four four years in your personal EBU. It is putting systems and structures, investing in your team um, and actually getting a a PA for the PA so that your support staff aren't overloaded, you know, actually building up your co-agents. So I know like I've seen listings that are quite a few million dollars for for Kale and, Mm. and, and doing that. But on top of it, it's also been the changes in you and, you know, your mindset, your ability and you actually going out there and not it in, in the listing presentation and actually getting the results out there. Um, and I think all of these things with building your celebrity profile in terms of what the work that you've done on social media has been what's really edified you in the marketplace. And this is why I think that your business is going to continue to grow more and more from an agency point of view because people are going to want to come and work for that because they're going to, they're going to want to know how to do it. So, you know, thank you so much for breaking it down for us to today because it can seem so overwhelming but mm. you've done it and I hope that this this um, podcast will inspire others to to do it as well so so what do you think is is next do you think working less um another holiday do you think spending more time at the farm all of the above I think <laughs> yeah I mean um I think it's probably a little short-sighted to think that the market won't change you know as we move through the years um I'm all, I'm actually excited about change I think it's really important and you've got to be capable of adapting and that's why I think always being um, aware of um, how you could change I think is really important taking people's feedback on but I'm really just looking forward to just seeing where it goes I know that's a bit of a um, it's not a sometimes a great way to be you know being just going with the flow but I kind of think like that's what I'm going to do just see see what's next and I'm just yeah, I'm, I don't have expectations, put yeah. it that way. But I love that. I think that's one of the overriding themes throughout this whole podcast series, mm. actually, is being open to change yeah. and embracing it and actually going with it. So I, lo- I love that you talk about that. So if people want to follow you and want to check out this social media that we've been talking so much about, I mean, mm. how will they find you? Um, on Facebook, I'm Craig Lee. That's L-E-A, um, McGrath Estate Agents. And on Instagram, I am uh, at, at Craig Lee Team. That's C-R-A-I-G. L-E-A-T-E-A-M, Craig Lee team. Wonderful. And, look, we will be putting these in the show notes so you can Mm. certainly find Craig through there. So, look, Craig, thank you so much for for joining us today. It's been wonderful to have you a part of the the Build Your Best Life podcast series. Thanks, Sherry. Really powerful points in today's interview about how you can level up both as a salesperson but also as a selling principal. So massive thank you to Craig Lee but also a massive thank you to our series sponsor, List Ready, who, of course, have made all my podcast dreams come true. But on next Tuesday's episode, I'm going to be talking about working what you've got and I'm going to be talking about how you can leverage your listings, how you can leverage your sales and leverage your results. Essentially, I'm talking about working those warm calls instead of working the cold ones and how you can dominate the letterbox, dominate the marketplace and dominate digital. Combining this with working the on the markets will really see you gain immediate traction and make bank which is a great platform for our next interview, which is happening in a fortnight's time. Now, I'm gonna be interviewing Jane Caulfield from Fletcher's Real Estate in Melbourne. And we're gonna be talking about how she went from zero listings to becoming number one at her previous agency, Noel Jones. 
So if you truly are keen to build your best life by harnessing your real estate career, I suggest that you implement these proven sales systems and structures, you leverage your results, build your own celebrity profile, build your own team and EBU, and all of this while you're working less and making more profit. And be sure to do this by listening to this podcast series. So subscribe so you get to hear about it every single Tuesday when these episodes go live. And if you want to take things a step further, then my Build Your Best Life coaching program, which comes complete with the success manual, is now in effect. So head to my website to find out more, sherrystorer.com forward slash BYBL. Now, this is my foundational program, and it's something that I've carefully curated, tested, and tweaked since 2012, and I've been working with my coaching clients now since 2017. So it comes with lots of templates and systems and structures and manuals, and of course, a daily guide. And please remember that if you want that freebie, I'm giving away a template that's included as part of the Build Your Best Life coaching program. Essentially, it's an Excel spreadsheet that's going to help you track yourself and set some goals for the next quarter. Now, once you've worked out your GCI, it's then going to automatically personalize and tell you how many properties you need to list, how many properties you need to sell, and how many properties that you need to go and do listing presentations for to achieve those targets. And it's all done especially for you. So head to sherrystorer.com forward slash level up if you want to download this freebie and you can then start goal setting. But look, if you'd like any of the transcripts, find the social handles or any of the information in today's episode. You can find it all in one place by going to sherrystorer.com forward slash the number 10. Thank you so much for tuning in.